0: Hey there. Welcome to Lunch and a Divorce Lawyer. Um, this month, I am uh, honored to have Tracy Conan, a forensic accountant and fraud investigator, jumping on our, our little program here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us, Tracy.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Peter. It is an honor to be with you. Well, um,
0: hey, I'm 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 glad you think so, and I hope I hope we can you know just have a little fun and hopefully learn some stuff. What tangentially related to divorce finances? Um, I don't know. Maybe compare Milwaukee and Chicago, and uh, we'll go from there. I don't know. Talk about Marquette basketball. I see that's in your background too. So, um, so but yeah, um, you are. Uh, what are you doing now? If I just said you know, kind of in your professional life,
1: what do you do? So I'm a fraud investigator. I like to say I find money. And about a third of my practice is related to divorce. Uh, The remainder of the practice is doing things like, you know, investigating um, situations where executives are accused of stealing from companies or companies fighting with one another over contracts or various situations where someone says they've lost money or they need to figure out where money went. All that kind of stuff is my wheelhouse. And then most recently, as an offshoot of that divorce work, I created the Divorce Money Guide, uh, an online handbook to help consumers who are involved in, in the divorce process who have some suspicions about potentially having money missing in their divorces, and uh, but they're not able to hire a forensic accountant for whatever reason. And so, I wanted to give them this guide to give them some access to forensic accounting, um, but without having to pay you know ten or twenty thousand dollars to have a forensic accountant help them.
0: Wow. Um, so a forensic accountant, that's what you do. If you find money.
1: That's all I do is find money all day, every day. Now I don't get wow. it back for them. The attorneys have to get the money back, but I can at least tell them where it went.
0: Cool. So, um, what's your professional life look like? What is the sequence? Inc. Are you at an accounting firm or what, what are you doing every day? Is there a typical day for
1: you? Yeah, sure. You know, I I've been a solo practitioner for 22 years Whoa. And Sequence Inc. is my firm. Yeah, it's been a long time. Um, you know, I like working alone. So I like being really on top of those numbers. And I tell my, my clients who are attorneys, what you see is what you get. So if we get to court and I have to testify in court, I will know these numbers inside and out. I won't have to sit up on the witness stand and say, well, I'm not sure about that because my associate did that work. Right. So I'm very hands on. Uh, the cases that I work on are a little bit more complicated and specialized for, you know, in a number of ways. Um, but you know, my typical day is um, spent digging through bank statements, credit card statements, financial statements of companies, all of their accounting records, their QuickBooks records, things like that. Typically, tracing the flow of money. So where did the money go? And so uh, I spend most of the day doing that. Of course, the rest of my day is spent, you know, talking to potential new clients and you know, sending bills and, and all that kind of stuff that goes along with running the business. But I, I absolutely love every part of it.
0: Wow. Um, I guess everybody, you know, some people like the color green, some people like the, the color orange. I mean, I'm not sure I'd love uh, digging through Bank State. I shouldn't even say that. That's what I'm doing sometimes as a divorce partner too. Um, such as it is. Um, hey, give me this, and then we'll totally do a deep dive on the uh, divorce money guide. So... How did you get where you are? Meaning like, hey, I'm a professional baseball player because, you know, when um, I was 13, you know, me and the neighborhood kids love to play baseball. And, you know, somebody I did, somebody I interviewed recently, they started their journey to being an elder law attorney in junior high. So that's the open question. How did you end up doing this fraud investigation forensic accounting business, uh, Tracy?
1: I was a criminology major in college. And in my sophomore year, I took a class called financial crime investigation. And I said, that's what I want to do. So I started taking accounting courses alongside of my criminology degree, so that I would be able to sit for the CPA exam. And I actually uh, finished my undergraduate, I went on to become a probation officer, and I was working on my MBA at the same time did that for about a year, and then just went full-time for a year to finish up that MBA, sat for the CPA exam, went to work for Arthur Anderson as an auditor, did that for a couple of years, and then went to a forensic accounting firm. So then specialized pretty quickly after that. And I stayed at that other firm for a couple of years learning the specialty. And then uh, 22 years ago, just started my own shop. I had some, some of my own ideas about how I wanted to generate business and how I wanted to do things differently. So for example, for 22 years, I've been using fixed fees for all of my work rather than the hourly billing model. So
0: excited. We we're we're just about to launch fixed fees here. So maybe, maybe offline, you can, you know, give me some advice on the success of that.
1: You know, there's a learning curve with it. Right. And so, so I, I tell people who want to start using them, I say, you know, you use them in, in smaller cases <clears throat> that you're more certain of the scope of the work until you sort of test your process and kind of, kind of get your feet wet a little bit. And then you, you start expanding it.
0: Great. I'm going to, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I hate, I hate chasing You know what, you know, what just is soul suckingly awful for me, it's chasing receivables. And so I'm, I'm sure hoping the fixed fee model will help to basically, right. In a sense, you're, sort of having somebody prepay. Right. I mean, that's kind of another way of putting Absolute, it, Instead absolutely. Of, you know, right. Grabbing, you know, running after money after the work is done too often, sadly uh, being self-critical on that point. So, uh, all right. So you have this cool new, what am I calling this? It's a cool new digital product called the divorce money guide. I think the subtitle is your playbook to discover hidden banks and assets. Um, so, what is it and who should buy it?
1: So I like to call it an online handbook. Okay. Um, so um, it's set up on an online learning platform, and it's a combination of videos, written materials, worksheets that all walk you through step by step, a 10 step process to figure out if there's missing money in your marriage and now you're divorced. So it's for divorcing people. Um, if you are the spouse who has not been in control of the money or has not been the main breadwinner of the family, you might not know as much about your finances as you'd like to. And so Uh this is a way to help take you through the whole financial process of what a forensic accountant would do in the divorce. So first I'm going to tell them what that financial discovery piece of their divorce is all about. So they know what to expect, talk about the documents that they're going to need, how do you get those documents? You know if you uh, you need to get your tax returns from the IRS, I walk them through exactly uh, a screen share. Here you are on the IRS website, you click here, you make this selection, you're going to get this document and here's why it's important. So I do all that sort of handholding through it. and then once they have their documents, I walk them through some easy things that a non-accountant could do to look for evidence of potential fraud.
0: Wow. Um...
1: That was a lot, huh?
0: I'm not asking you to give away the whole product. But you know, if I have some suspicions here, what's a what's a tip or two like low hanging fruit, right? I'm going through a divorce. And uh, I'm not the person who's been handling our money. I think my wife and I share it pretty well. I think we both kind of know what's going on. But really, she runs our money more than I do. So what should I do if I have suspicions? And Sidebar, we're happily married. So, but what, what should I do if I'm that person? What, what is a simple piece of low hanging fruit that, like, is, is a common little thing to find a little little money, as you say? Where can I find some money?
1: If I were you, I would go through the bank statements and the credit card statements mm. for the last year, and I go through them line by line and look at every single charge and ask yourself if it makes sense. Now, some people say to me, well, but I haven't been involved with the money. So I don't know if that number makes sense or not. I don't know if paying $100 to a utility company makes sense. I get you on that. What I would look for if you're doing that is consistency. You know, is there a utility bill being paid every month? And, and that stuff usually pretty much checks out, right? right? The stuff that doesn't check out is you come across a hotel charge. We weren't traveling then. My mm-hmm. spouse doesn't travel for work. Why would there be a hotel charge on there? That right. to me would be a tip off of a potential affair, um, or some restaurant charges that that seem out of the ordinary. So I would look for charges like that. Um, One tip that I like to give, you know, let's say, Peter, in your family, you and your wife use a Citibank credit card. You both Mm -hmm. have a, a card on the account and every month that bill gets paid and everybody's happy, right? Sure. And so you're going through your account statement, your bank statement, and you see, yep, there's a Citibank credit card being paid. Seems normal. I tell you, count up how many times over a year that Citibank credit card is being paid. And I'll tell you what, If you find that Citibank has been paid 16 times over the last year, what would that lead you to believe? That there's another Citibank credit card that you didn't know about. Ah, Right, it's so simple once I tell you. Once I tell you the punchline, it's simple, but um, that's one way that I've seen in a bunch of cases where someone was concealing activity, potentially, you know, an affair partner, or maybe someone Mm -hmm. would like to go to strip clubs or or have some sort of hobby that they wanted to conceal. They get a credit card with the same credit card company, knowing that if their spouse looks at the statement and sees a payment to Citibank, they're going to say, oh, no big deal. That's our credit card, right?
0: Hmm. Hey, that's pretty, um, that sounds like a pretty effective tactic if I'm the (laughs) <laughs> a right, strip club affair person, um, and it's a
1: pretty effective tactic yeah. if you're the other spouse, right? You don't have to be an accountant to be able to go through a year's worth of statements and count how many times Citibank was paid.
0: Right, right. How do you catch that then? The account number? Am I going to see that if I just see Citibank? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not looking at my account statement. I think there's got to be a few digits that are different. You know, this credit card versus this credit card. I would think. Right.
1: So you're not going to see a credit card number on there. You're only going to see Citibank. And so then what I'm going to have you do is go to the Citibank account that you know about and look on those statements and see if potentially there was more than one payment. Now, I'll tell you, once in a while, um, someone might make two payments a month to the same credit card because maybe they owe $5,000 and they want to break it up into two payments. And so there could be a legitimate reason. So that's why I say your first step is to go to that account that you know about, look at that Citibank credit card statements. Match up the payments after you've matched up those payments with what you saw in the bank statement. You probably have some payments on that bank statement that aren't matched to anything. Now, your next step is to tell your attorney, I think there may be another account at Citibank. Can we subpoena it?
0: Yeah, good call. Yeah, I mean, on the divorce lawyer side of the equation, yeah, I feel like most uh, yeah, financial hijinks, and, and, and I, I certainly don't have the expertise you do. Um, oftentimes, you really are just doing a deep look at the account statements, whether it be the bank statements or the credit cards, right? And, and you just see where, you know, just fr- frankly, you're just finding hidden accounts. I feel like oftentimes it's the low hanging fruit, just thinking off the top of my head. It's like, hey, here's right. here's the, the 6,000 going to some weird account that hasn't been disclosed elsewhere. And then boom, there's the pot of gold. I, now and I found who, some money.
1: Right, and who knows your family's uh, activities better than the person who's getting divorced, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. that person is getting divorced, sees a transfer to Wells Fargo on their bank statement. They say, wait a second, we've never done business with Wells Fargo. Whereas if you or I were looking at that bank statement, the fact that Wells Fargo is noted might not really draw any attention for us. Um, And so I know that for clients, the idea of going through a line by line by line seems like an overwhelming task. But I always tell them that once you get going, once you get through a month or two and you sort of find a rhythm, you, you sort of start to get a feel for what transactions are happening every month. And, and then all of a sudden something will stick out.
0: Hey, so you said your ideal customer or something is for divorcing people. That's a pretty big circle. Can we go a little narrower though? Like- well, so. So every, the, this can't be for every divorce, right? I, I have a, I have a, I have a, our second newest client is like, we were married for two, it might be for them, but like go a little, go a little narrower, I would think. Like who, who maybe even within the divorcing box, like might so this, really, might this be most suited for?
1: So my marketing is targeted towards women because still overwhelmingly okay. the women are the ones who have less financial control within the family. It's changing for sure. But still, um, you know, when I have spouses calling me saying I need help because I don't know what's happened to the money, it's more often the women than it is the men. Um, You know, I think typically it's probably someone who is going to be a stay at home mom, probably ages 35 to 45, probably has a few um, few school aged children and probably has some other suspicions. So. So for the most part, it's kind of like if you are getting divorced and you are really concerned and you've seen some signs that lead you to believe maybe some money is missing, that's when you're going to think about this guide. So, so you're right. Not everyone getting divorced is going to need this.
0: Okay. And hey, just briefly, and I don't want to, you know, go on for too long. Um, let's can we talk through a divorce hypothetical just for a second? Why not? Yeah, let's have a little. I mean, why I not? Hope you're uh, making
1: up the hypothetical. I am making up the hypothetical. Okay, okay.
0: Good. Well, really, I'm just going like loosely. Okay. I mean, fine. I'm uh, here. All right. You know, we have this person we talk about at our firm. She's our ideal client. Her name's Monica Garcia. Okay. So, like, she's a 38 year old realtor in Oak Park, Illinois. Okay. So, Monica is, let's just say, um, thinking about hiring me, Peter Olson, Chicago Family Law Group as her attorney. Um, And let's just say she's going to hire us three weeks from now. I'm just kind of just, again, I, I said I wanted to walk through a hypothetical with you, but I really didn't have the hypothetical written in advance. But, you know, I have been practicing family law for 19 years. But really, I'm just trying to get at, in your average divorce case is give or take, I mean, there's, there's a lot of right variables, but let's just say it's two years. When, sort of like, when is this the, when, when should Monica be kind of looking at your product and really doing this deep dive? Is it, is it before her case is filed? Is it kind of like, I'm getting ready for my divorce trial 18 months from now? Do you
1: have any thoughts on that kind of um, hypo? So I want people to start earlier rather than later So it actually is even an appropriate product if you're considering divorce. Um, I think, you know, as you well know, Peter, one of the big issues um, in families is finances. There are a lot of arguments about money. And so if someone is not sure if they wanna get divorced or not, but they have some suspicions about the money, or maybe they have some suspicions about affairs and they're looking for evidence of that, this product could be really appropriate for them because it might help them in that decision process you know, if they checked everything out and all the money looks squeaky clean, that might be something that tells them that they have, you know, that their trust in their spouse is correctly placed. But if it comes up that there is money that looks to be missing, siphoned off, spent inappropriately, that may push them towards that divorce decision. Um, But if they are already in the process of divorce, I'm always saying do this sooner rather than later, because I want you to get all the financial documents you have access to as soon as you have access to them. So in the guide, I talk about if you have online access to a bank account that has your name on it, let's say it's in your name and your husband's name, download all the statements they have available to you right away. ASAP don't risk that you might get locked out of that account by, you know, someone changing the password or some other shenanigans where suddenly your name is no longer on the account. If we have access now, get all the stuff now, even if we're not aren't going to use it today, as long as we have it, that protects us for the future. And of course, it's so much easier to download those statements than to have Peter have to go subpoena that bank, right?
0: For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, sooner rather than later sounds great to me. My the the misperception or the weakness I find that clients bring to the table is they think you hire a divorce lawyer and it's like everything's handled. And how I view things is like, I don't know if you're a football fan, Tracy, but here, um, well, there was a former football coach in the New York Giants, Bill Parcells, and then he was with Dallas here. I don't want to go too long, but he had this great quote when he was talking about being the head coach, whereas somebody else drafted the players. And he, he, he had this great phrase about like, hey, you want me to great, make a great meal, but I'm not buying the groceries. And so that's what a lot of people think it's like with, with their lawyer, or, or that's how it really is, right? I'm cooking dinner, meaning I'm kind of creating legal strategy, but oftentimes the client really needs to be producing a lot of the undergirded facts and stuff, i.e. the financial stuff usually, and
1: well, that's just they don't, I mean-
0: they're not getting that to me. And that's a big problem, a big underlying problem, because like you... I'm actually a pretty good legal strategist but right if you don't have facts to kind of like right make the strategy work it's not a, it's not effective
1: right. and well that's and really also what
0: the stuff you know you're talking about here
1: one of the selling points of this guide is it can help you understand what documents you need to get together and give you a strategy for getting them and putting them together quite frankly You know, I'm sure that they can pay you your hourly rate to fool around with these bank statements, trying to put them in order, figure out which ones are missing, ask for the ones that are missing again, ask for them a third and fourth time, have a phone call, have some emails about them, try to get the tax returns. You're happy to bill someone for that time, I'm sure. However, I bet that's not the kind of lawyering you like to do. And I bet the clients would be more than happy to save a few hundred maybe even 1000 or $2,000 of your time if they could just sure. have an easy process to help them get this stuff together.
0: Yeah, no, great call. Um, great call, right? The, the big macro level of, hey, finding stuff and then, yeah, actually just much more efficient savings in terms of, right, I mean, what should your lawyer be doing and really what shouldn't your lawyer be doing or how, how could it be done most effectively and efficiently? Um, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, And in divorce cases, what did you say? I think you said like a third of your time is spent dealing kind of in, what would you say? Forensic accounting related to divorce cases. Is that right?
1: Yep. Yep. Are you always
0: finding money? Is there not a divorce case where there isn't hidden money? Do you ever find one? Um, It's like nothing there, nothing there, Peter or Monica.
1: There are divorce cases where I don't find anything missing. Uh, I recently had one where a husband and wife agreed to hire one forensic accounting expert to do a lifestyle analysis. Hmm. Um, so when I'm doing it at, a, at higher level in these cases, we call it lifestyle analysis where I'm going through all the spending, um, for a couple of purposes, trying to figure out kind of what the family budget is on a month, you know, for a month and things like that, but also sometimes looking for that hidden money. And, um, you know, the, the wife had suspicions that the husband was siphoning off money. She said, you know, he's a really high earner and he's been earning a lot of money for years and we're going to get divorced now. And I just don't see a big pile of money somewhere. I don't understand what's happened to our money. So I think he's been siphoning it off. I took that very seriously and looked for any evidence that I could find that there was missing money. And at the end of the day, they just spent their money. That's all.
0: Got it. Got it. Um, so well, thanks again for joining us here. And let me, let me close out with just a couple of things. So Tracy, where can somebody tell me what's the sales pitch or well, that's a bad way of putting it. Um, where can somebody find the divorce money guide and yeah, why don't you, why don't you just go there? What's the, what's the price point? And yeah, why don't you just tell us again, you know, what exactly what's there? It's
1: so the divorce money guide can be found at divorcemoneyguide.com. Very simple. Okay. Um, the product is 4 dollars However, because we just launched it, uh, we're selling it for 349 dollars for the next Whoa. month. Um, and the 349 dollars pricing is really, really simple. You know, The average divorce lawyer charges somewhere between $300 and $350 an hour. And I mm-hmm. say, if you can save one hour of your attorney's time by getting some of this stuff together, you know, the product's been worth it. So that's the price point. Again, wanting to make it really accessible to, to all sorts of people, who just need the extra support on the financial side in their divorce.
0: Awesome. And hey, so then the last fun question that I teed up earlier. So you have an office in Milwaukee and an office in Chicago. Um, And I think you went to Marquette. So I really think you're a, a Wisconsinite, but distinguish between Chicago and Milwaukee and understand this, this is Chicago Family Law Group. So we might be biased here.
1: Well, so here's the thing. So I do live in Milwaukee, but most of my clients are in Chicago.
0: Okay. Okay. So, so, then, so yeah, you don't I want to sure offend anybody, friend. but you know, what do you got? I mean,
1: no, I mean, you know what? Um, Milwaukee is like the friendliest city, but it's a small city. It's very hometown feel to it. And Chicago, what's great is it's 90 minutes away by a train ride and you can get the big city feel. You can see any show, get any kind of food, do any kind of anything. And so Uh, faster pace in Chicago, you know, really fun to visit. So when I have to go down to meet with clients and I typically probably stay overnight, have a great time, you know, meeting up with friends and doing some fun things.
0: Awesome. Cause I'm a big Milwaukee fan too. That's, that's the funny thing. We, we, we were like this close from moving to Milwaukee. Cause yeah, I, I find like, I love the fact that it is just, yeah, the smaller, you don't get, I feel like I never get into a traffic jam when I'm going in Milwaukee and I live a lot farther away from Milwaukee. I live in, you know, in like North Suburban Chicago. But you know, going into downtown, it, basically, what I'm saying is, it takes about the same amount of time for me to get to downtown Chicago and downtown Milwaukee, even though the actual distance is probably, I don't know, eight times farther or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, our, our rush hour traffic is super easy. It's easy to get anywhere around here. So yeah.
0: All right. Well, hey, Tracy, thanks again for jumping on here. Really appreciate it. And um, I'm going to send people, I'm going to use this as a resource for my clients. And that URL, that's old school website, again, divorcemoneyguide.com. So thanks again for joining us, Tracy.
1: Thanks for having me. Great talking with you, Peter.
0: All right. Thanks again. Bye.